Now, uh, we know that today is Vision Sunday, and I'm excited about all of the things uh, that are on the horizon for this service. And so if you are a guest with us, today's service is going to be a little bit different than what we would normally do. We're going to be talking about the last year, year and a half or so, since I've been here as the pastor. Uh, We're going to be talking about various different aspects of church life that we don't typically share uh, with you as a church. And one of the things that I told our leadership team when I took over is that our church was going to be a church that communicated well where we were at. I want to make sure that we are transparent as a church uh, from the leadership perspective to you who are giving. We want you to know uh, where the money that you give is going and how we're impacting lives. And so in just a few moments, I'm going to ask members of my board here uh, to come up and they're going to share some things with us. But we're also going to be talking to you about the vision and the mission here uh, of the well and what the Lord has placed on our hearts uh, to go in the direction that we need to head as a church. But before we do that, I have one last announcement. Uh, Next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. All all two of you, thank you for getting excited. (laughs) Baptism Sunday is happening next week, and we have a few people that are going to be baptized right here on this platform um, near the end of the service. And so if you've never been scripturally baptized, if you have questions about baptism, uh, please come and see myself after uh, the service And we'll talk through that and get you plugged in so uh, we can get you baptized next Sunday. It's going to be a great time. I'm excited for the baptisms that are happening uh, and for the the stories uh, from those people's lives. And so church, real quick, um, I want us to dive in. Um, There should have been a half sheet of paper just like this that says impact report, the well impact report. Um, It was not on every single chair. Uh, We were just trying to make sure that at least uh, every family had one. Um, If you need one, there are a few extras sitting in the back um, on the connection point if you need one. Now, this impact report is something that's very important to us. It's something that we're going to start doing every single year as a church. It's a report that's going to show us uh, some snapshot pictures uh, of things that have occurred here in our church over the last 12 months. Now, I want you to know um, how many of you would agree that the past year um, of, of church life, maybe the past two years of church life has been a difficult one. It's been difficult for many churches. Now, for those of you who may not know this, uh, last year our church celebrated 10 years of ministry here in the Ionia area. 10 years of ministry is a huge deal for a church plant. You know, statistically speaking, church plants uh, that don't make it beyond year five or six are already closed by the year two or three. Ones that that invested time and energy and money uh, oftentimes end up failing, not because there was no plan, but because uh, money didn't come in, because people didn't come in, uh, because people weren't responsive to the word of God. But I want you to know that our church is surviving today uh, based on the prayers and the sacrifice and the labor and the acts of God that we have seen here in Ionia over the last 10 years. Church, would you agree with me? And so, though the last several years of ministry have been a difficult one, And and despite how a pandemic has completely shifted and altered not only our world, but our country and our communities and even churches. Uh, I was just talking to a pastor uh, about two weeks ago that told me that right now a thousand churches are closing their doors every 90 to 120 days here in America alone. A thousand churches every three to six months are closing their doors. Three to five months, sorry. And our, our mission here at the well, though, is, is going to continue even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of, of our culture and our country changing and shifting. And despite the storms that our country and our community and our churches have seen here, our church has seen God's mighty hand move in many ways. We have seen time and time again God's faithfulness. Amen, church? You know, in the last 12 months, I would say maybe the last 18 months since I have been here as the pastor, 
we have walked through what I'm going to call some growing pains. Some growing pains. We haven't done everything right. We haven't done everything wrong. But God has allowed for us in this season to be pruned for what he's preparing for us as a church for what's to come. In the last 12 months, uh, we have seen ups and downs. We've seen ministries stop. We've seen ministries start. We've seen a vast array of changes that have occurred here at the well. And I, as your pastor, stand before you excited to tell you about what's to come in the next 12 months, in the next three years, in the next five years of ministry here in and through our church. And so, um, we are going to briefly hit some of these things because I actually want to spend time on other aspects and elements here. Uh, But at the very bottom of that half sheet, um, just so you guys know, our fiscal year here at the church runs from June to May. So everything that we we give to you today is going to start in the middle of the year. So if you panic, like that's why. Our fiscal year runs from June to May. And so these numbers here at the bottom, I want you guys to see the way that God has been moving in, in our, just our numerical growth here as a church. June, from June to December of last year, of 2021, our church total church attendance on average was less than 50 over, over a six-month period from June to December. In January, we relaunched our children's ministry. In January, we relaunched our youth ministry. We've seen an uptick in God bringing people through the doors of our church where right now we are seeing a total attendance with children downstairs, with teens on Sunday nights, with our adult service, somewhere over 100 to 110 consistently week in and week out across the board in total. We have doubled our attendance in the last 12 months, but really in just the last six months, we've doubled our attendance across the board. And so if you guys would, go ahead and give a hand to to the people who are behind the scenes making that happen. You know, God is is moving in a lot of unique ways. If you flip that sheet over, you'll realize that in the last 12 months of time, we've had 184 guests walk through the doors of our church, which is a huge reason why we're seeing an uptick in our average numbers over the course of the last six months. 184 guests, and we're connecting with those guests as best as possible here uh, from the church. Uh, Last August, we had 13 new families join in church membership here at the well. We've also seen 12 salvations, and I just want to take a a moment, uh, because I don't do this very often, I just want to take a moment before we move on from that salvation number. Uh, half of those salvations that we saw in the last six months came out of our youth ministry. When I took over our youth ministry last summer, our youth ministry was averaging six teenagers. They're currently, on average, when all the teens are there, close to 20. 20 teenagers. Uh, Many of you may not know, but my sister and her husband, Kether and and Jordan Town, sitting there in the back, they're here faithfully serving uh, with a group of of teenagers. Uh, And listen, youth ministry is not easy. Uh, My wife and I spent the last almost 13 years in youth ministry. It's It's not easy at all. Teens are a very hard demographic to reach and and a very hard demographic to keep going once they have been reached. In the last six months, we've seen six of those 12 salvations come through that youth ministry. And if I remember correctly, four uh, of those teens are now consistently coming every single week that our church doors are open for youth ministry. That's a huge retainment number, uh, especially in that group. And I just wanted to personally say how proud I am of both of them and the work and the investment, the prayer, the dedication, and the time that they put in uh, to the teens. And if you are a parent or a grandparent of a teen that comes here, um, I would thank them. Um, I would thank them before you leave today because they do a fantastic job. We had eight baptisms over the last year. And some really crazy numbers to me, uh, online church was never really a big thing until the pandemic hit in 2020. 
And so now we have a whole nother way that we have to reach people uh, who won't come into the buildings of the church, and that's online. And our online reach is probably crazy uh, to some. Um, for me, it was astronomical, the, the numbers that we got as we began to look at our online reach over the last 12 months. Over the last 12 months, we had 1,100 people visit our social media sites to see what we're doing here as a church. We had 1,270 unique viewers online while our service is live, uh, or, or they came back and watched it later over the last... We reached 1,200 different people through viewing our service video. Another thing that many people do not know is that they take the audio of our sermons... And they post it on a website called SoundCloud, which is a worldwide accessible website. We had in the last 12 months over 2,000 unique people listening to our sermons via SoundCloud through the church's website. 2,000 different people. We had on our church website alone, which we have revamped, and we've invested a lot of work, and Amy has done a fantastic job, and many other people, Mike, who's not here today, well, they've invested a lot of work, and in the last 12 months, we've had nearly nine or 8,000 people visit our church website. Uh, they're looking for who we are. They're looking for what we believe. And church, uh, I don't want us as a body to think uh, that and discount anything that happens on social media or online. You may not be connected there, and that's totally cool. You may not be tech savvy, and that's perfectly fine, but there is a demographic of people who may never, ever step foot through the doors of this building and we're attempting and we want to get better at reaching people uh, online uh, because we can still minister to them. We can still connect with them. There's a way for them to even send in prayer requests and praise reports right online and they go right to our prayer coordinator here for the church, Kim Poole. And we want to be able to connect with people in, in a greater capacity here because there are people in our community uh, that are still scared. We may not agree with why they're scared and, and why they don't want to come into the building, uh, but, but Christ loves them just as much as he loves us, and we still need to attempt to connect with them. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm impressed uh, by these numbers that we're seeing, and we want to be able to get better. Uh, but more than that, I want to talk to us about probably one of the most difficult topics for a pastor to talk about in church, and that's giving. Woo! That's giving. Travis, I appreciate you every week. I, just, I love you, man. I love you. Giving in our church's eyes is an act of worship. I believe it's an act of worship when we recognize that God is truly the source of every single thing that we have. And as a church, we have seen over and over and over again God's provision and God's blessing. And as we're going to see here in just a, a few moments when Amy comes to the platform, our church from, from uh, this point forward, really from the last several months forward, has been striving not only to teach our church, uh, but to set the example as leaders of being good stewards of every blessing that comes into this church so that we can make the greatest impact here in our community. And so, um, Amy, I'm going to ask if you would come, and this, this might be the part where um, you may think, oh, she's going to get up and talk to us uh, about the finances, and nobody likes to discuss money, um, and I understand that. Uh, but the things that Amy is going to share with us are not only very insightful for us as a church, uh, but I want you guys to know um, real quick, don't hate me for this. I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Um, Amy um, joined my board at the end of last year, and uh, Amy stepped in, and I, I had approached Amy um, a few months before that to, to come on board. I, I needed some new board members, and we were trying to put together a team of people uh, that I believed that the Lord was not only leading uh, me to, but they were being led to me in many different areas, and I began to seek the Lord as to how I could utilize each leader uh, to come alongside of me so that I didn't have to bear the weight of ministry alone. Um, I want you to know that bearing the weight of ministry as a lead pastor is very difficult. 
It's a daunting task, um, and a lot of times it's very scary, and I feel very alone a lot of times. Not because people don't talk to me or because they don't text me or call me or that my wife's not. It just it feels very alone at times in ministry. And so I brought these four people around me, and you're going to have an opportunity to, to see three of them today. Uh, Mike is not here. But Amy uh, came on board and um, immediately came with fresh ideas. Um, Amy's been around uh, church um, and church plants for years and years and years. Uh, she's officially old. Will you unmute her mic, please? It's the same one that she uses for singing. singing. Yep, time. I'm yeah. officially old when it comes to church stuff. And so Amy came on board and, and brought these fresh ideas and a very unique perspective uh, to the group uh, of men uh, that I've surrounded myself with. And over the last six months, eight months really, um, Amy has really <laughs> dove headfirst into um, completely organizing and cleaning up um, our finances with the help of the GLR, with the help of other people here in the church. And she has done just a fantastic job of taking care of all of the issues and all of the problems of, of eliminating unnecessary spending and just getting us into a place where I'm, I'm proud not only to, to be a brother in Christ, but um, I am honored that, that this, this individual here in our church body, this sister in Christ, is not only sitting on the board, uh, but she makes me look better. <laughs> Which is a hard task, okay? That is a hard task. And so, Amy, I just, I just wanted to say thank you from uh, my wife and I um, on a grander scale than just on the finances of our church. Uh, you and your family has come alongside of us in a time where we needed somebody the most in, in pain, um, in heartache, um, and you guys have just been there, and we appreciate not only you, but Tim, uh, you as well, and Miss Wanda, uh, and boys, you have no idea the impact that you've made on my life, uh, but I just, I thank your entire family. Uh, you have a wonderful family, and we are grateful um, to have you um, apart, and so if you guys would, give it up for Amy LaForge. <laughs> okay. So I get to tell you all the exciting stuff. Numbers, yay! <laughs> Travis, um, I what? I know, but I like numbers. I am a very dedicated bean counter at heart. So there's a, a piece of paper, and on one side is like a chart, and the other side is some graphs. We're going to look at the chart side first. One of the things that we had to do as a board was to create a budget. So we did. Um, church budgets are always guesses, really, because it's not like a business where I know I'm going to sell this many units. It's, it's, it's just a guess. Um, what are we going to bring in? What are we going to spend? That, that is a very fluid thing. So at the very top, I wrote out what our budgeted need per month and per week is, and that was based on our best guess at what this year was going to look like. And then right below that, our actual spending per week, you can see is quite a lot less because we have been working very hard to cut out anything extraneous and only focus on what we actually need. The point being to have money there for when something comes along that we need to do. Um, we have had... This is the 10th Sunday into this fiscal year. And so the chart that I included there for you shows just from June 1st until yesterday when I ran the report. Um, and you can see that we, we brought in $17,499.21, and we only spent $13,690.57. Um, yeah, the point being that we're trying to just keep those dollars and have them available for our projects. Our current bank balance, as of yesterday, $33,321.02. That seems like a gigantic number, and woo, that's great, and it is. But um, some of that is restricted. So when we sold the hub, we, we, after we paid off everything, 
um, $15,679.70 went into our bank account. That money is restricted. According to the rules of the GLR, we can spend it, it's ours, but we have to spend it on capital improvements. It has to be spent on the building, on stuff. And we've got plans, not to worry. Um, <laughs> but for now, that's just, we're just holding that in reserve. And the longer we can keep that just to have an extra safety net, the better. Um, and then we've had $200 come in. Um, yes, ma'am? Oh, thank you. Excellent point. GLR is the Great Lakes region of the Wesleyan Church, and they are our governing body. Um, and so we have to abide by the rules of our denomination. Um, and I'm going to finish my 200. The, if, if you write on your envelope, I want my money to go towards missions, then that is where it will go. And so far in the last nine Sundays, we've had $200 come in that way. So that will be sent out shortly. Um, things got really rough last October, November-ish. We, we were running out of money. We were, we were in a lot of trouble, quite frankly. Um, we, were, we got almost to the point where we couldn't keep the doors open. And at that time, the GLR came in and took over the books and said, we're going to help you manage it. We want to oversee. I think they wanted to make sure that there was no funny business going on. Um, there wasn't. I checked. Trust me. Um, and it just, there was some miscommunication happening and information that wasn't going to the right places. And so money was being spent on, in fact, capital improvements, fixing up this building, fixing up the hub. Um, and nobody was really looking at the big picture. So once we got that under control, um, the GLR is backing off and they should be completely set off to the side again shortly. Emily Davis has kindly agreed to be our bookkeeper. So she's doing all those numbers. And as you can see, we're already in a great spot. Okay, flip your paper over. I'm gonna snap through the rest of this. Um, last fiscal year, I wrote down what our average giving every week was. And then this fiscal year, um, a detail to keep in mind is that this fiscal year so far has been the summer when usually in any church in America, giving and attendance is lower because people are out traveling. So that's wildly encouraging. Um, I, uh, the first graph shows kind of the, the average giving. It's, that's a per month kind of a basis um, from June of last year till June of this year. And you can see it went down in November and then it shot up and, you know, in the end, we're not that far off now than we were a year ago, which is pretty awesome. The next graph is the number of people contributing. So if my family gives, that's one. And if your family gives, that's two, et cetera. So you can see that number has actually been rising, which is also encouraging. And then the last chart, and I apologize for, I have not seen any of this. What's... Oh, am I supposed to cue you? <laughs> can that, in about 30 seconds, can you put up the very last image that I have? Okay. Um, the last image on the paper is attendance um, as recorded. And this is Sunday and youth and kids, right? Total attendance. So again, you can see from June of last year until May of this year, we've, we've gotten higher. Okay. The last thing I wanted to show you, this is the giving going back two years or three years now to 2019. And you can see we're getting back there, even with all of the pruning and all of the difficulty and all the everythings, we're, we're, we're growing. And it's exciting to be here. It's exciting to be a part of some pretty great things that are coming. So one of the things that I, I forgot to follow up with Amy, and I was, I was hoping that she would have thrown this out there, but um, 
she mentioned to you guys that we sold the hub, uh, which we ended up, we closed on back, it was April 8th, correct? We closed on the hub, it was April 8th, I believe, that first Friday of April. Um, after um, after the, the remaining mortgage that we had was paid off, I want you to know, I think it was the following week that that was taken care of, our church is now 100% debt free. 100% debt free. Um, everything, like this group of people that are coming up um, have done just a fantastic job um, keeping me on track um, and keeping things going, praying for me, praying for our church, praying together as a group. Um, And so uh, with that being said, all of the crazy cool things that are going on, the way that God has sustained us, the way that we're seeing an uptick, not just in numbers uh, growth-wise, but in our finances, how what we projected to spend every single week is actually less than what we actually are. And we've been able to save money and put money away, which has been huge uh, for us. Uh, But now I'm going to ask Rick uh, to come. And Rick is actually going to uh, talk to us um, about some things that we have for our future. You know, I've talked to us as a church about our vision and mission here. And we've discussed extensively as a team uh, what we need to do uh, to not just grow our ministry, but to have a greater impact here in our community in various different ways. And so um, Rick is going to come and share with us uh, something that we are asking you as a church to partner with us in this next season uh, of ministry. And I'm going to come up and kind of close out and explain a little bit more uh, to you on that. Uh, But real quick, since I did this to Amy, I'm going to do this to you as well. Um, Rick, you and Kim have been coming to church here for about how long? Uh, 10 years, maybe. Okay. So I knew, I knew Kim and Rick um, from Restore down the road uh, when it was called Res Life. Um, they went to church with my wife and I. I didn't know them well, but I knew of him. I knew his, I knew his son, um, um, Evan, uh, pretty well. And um, Sarah, uh, we served with Sarah and Trinity in the youth ministry uh, down there at Res. And um, Rick and I instantly um, connected when I came here. Um, He was already sitting on the board. He's the only current member of the board that was on the board when I took over. Um, And Rick and I um, have begun to develop a relationship over the last year and a half. And um, I want you to know, Rick, how grateful I am and, and thankful I am, not just to have you on the board um, but um, you, you were there for me personally um, when I got my cancer diagnosis. Um, you prayed with me. You sat across the table with me. You've prayed with me time and time again. I mean, I've enjoyed sitting over coffee and, and studying the Word of God with you and, and just growing together. I, I've enjoyed your, your presence in Bible study on Wednesday night and in, in the meetings um, you, you are definitely uh, the board member um, that in many ways is the most reserved and the most careful, um, but you bring so much wisdom uh, behind all of that that I think keeps um, Mike and I and our big dreams um, in check a little bit. Um, and uh, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, I love you, um, and I'm grateful um, not only for you, but for your wife as well, and, and the support that you have given to our family, um, helping oversee the prayer team, um, and just being there for us. And so I just I wanted to tell you I love you, and I appreciate you. Okay, so, yeah, if I've been tasked with the, with the um, giving you the three phases that we have ahead of us for renovations we want to do here. Phase one is that we want to enclose the back of the worship center, make a permanent room um, with just two double doors entering into the sanctuary. This will help eliminate excess sound from the entrance, from the foyer, and from the stairwells, as well as to improve overall sound quality in person and online. This portion of the project will cost an estimated $3,500. And that would be the first thing we'll do once we raise that $3,500. Then there will be phase two, which would be to have two family bathrooms with handicap accessibility built into the foyer where the cross stands. That's on this side. Uh, 
The addition of the two bathrooms not only helps our current members with easier access to the restrooms, but it will allow the church to have a greater impact towards the demographic of unreached people in our community. This phase would cost around $26,000. And finally, phase three, there will be an addition of a handicap ramp along this east side of the building with a new handicap entrance on the east wall in the foyer. This not only eliminates the use and repair costs of the current chairlift that seems to always be breaking or broken or not functioning, uh, it allows easier access to our building. And this phase would cost around $10,000. Uh, these three phases we, we think will help us work together in helping the, to impact Ionia with the gospel by connecting people to Christ here in the facility with easier access to the bathrooms and the building itself. So the reason for raising money in these phases instead of just saying this is what we want to do is because we want our church to be encouraged by and empowered to see, see our investment in our mission here at the well coming to fruition. So each phase will be completed as the monies come in for the, the phase that is, as they're raised. Thanks. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. Now, um, real quick, um, we are going to open up the Word of God here in just a moment um, and hear a brief challenge to kind of close us out. Um, and then we're going to spend some time praying um, here over our church um, at the end. Now, what Rick was just explaining, what Amy's already talked about, you know, Amy gave us a snapshot of the last year here of our church. Rick came uh, to explain to us uh, the next year or two uh, of ministry here at the well. Um, and in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to get out this card that says, I'm all in. I'm all in. Now, the reason why we're, we're telling you this and giving you numbers and, and figures and showing you diagrams on the screen of what we want to do uh, to help further ministry here in our church and through our church and out into the community is because we are asking you as a church to get behind uh, the mission and the vision here at the well. And we know that once people buy into what God has been doing here at our church, uh, they will travel along with you and journey with you in that mission. And so this card right here is, is a card where we're asking uh, you, and, and, and now let me explain the entire thing before, uh, before you um, start to have questions, and, and I will be available at the end uh, to answer them for you. Uh, but this card is, is saying, when you fill this card out, you're saying that either myself, if you're a single, uh, or uh, my family and I are committed uh, to giving to this. Now, this, this commitment is above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings. Now, before you get there, let me explain a couple of things. We're asking of you uh, to begin to seek the Lord and pray about what he would have you give and we want you to fill this out, and I went, we want you to drop it into one of our giving boxes there in the back. Now, um, we don't want you to fill this out right now. I don't want you to fill this out today. I don't want any of these cards to be in the giving boxes there in the back today, and I'll explain to you why. As your pastor, as, as your leaders, we stand before you not asking money because we want to make a sales transaction. We stand before you asking for you to journey with us to see how the monies that come in can transform lives. Amen. That's what we're asking. We're not, we're not being transactional. We want to be transformational with what we're doing. And we believe 100% that we are being spirit-led in this, and that's why I'm asking you not to turn this card in. Because I want you to spend the next two or three weeks talking with your spouse and seeking the Lord. And I, and I can tell you right now, God will lay a number on, on, your, on your heart. I know he will. I know God will do that. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit for you in this place this morning. I'm asking you to go home and to seek the Lord and to take it seriously because we're asking you as a church to come all in with us. 
We're asking you as a church to, to follow uh, us as we journey on to reach and have a greater impact here uh, in Ionia. And we're hoping um, and praying to launch, have our first official offering on September 4th, four weeks from today. That gives you an entire month uh, to talk and discuss. Um, and we, as these cards start to come in, we, we will let you know what we're projecting already to come in with this and there's, there's many ways that you can fill this out. It asks you, are you going to give weekly, bi-weekly, monthly? Is it going to be a one-time gift? And then you can put in the amount. And then at the bottom of this card, there's actually a section that we want you to tear off. And, and, and it's a, to be a reminder for you that you place that somewhere that you will see it to say, I've made a commitment to support the well, to be all in uh, with the well there at the bottom. And so with that being said, um, I want you guys uh, to please to please turn with me um, in your Bibles uh, to the book of Nehemiah. I know we've been in this series called Roots in the book of James, and um, I felt the Lord leading me to, um, to really just kind of challenge us today uh, with something a little bit different as we're walking into this new season of ministry here at the well. And I want you guys to know that, you know, hearing those numbers and seeing what we want to do uh, may seem like a daunting task to raise nearly $45,000 or so total. And that may seem like an, a daunting task, uh, but I, I believe wholeheartedly uh, that it can um, and will come to fruition. Um, I believe that. I believe that the Lord wants us to have a greater impact here. And so we decided as a, as a a leadership team to enter in to a capital campaign to restructure and repurpose this building so that we uh, can accomplish the vision and mission here at the well. Um, I, I, it seems maybe from my perspective, I harp on our vision and mission quite frequently. And I, say, I tell you that the well church exists to impact Ionia with the gospel by our people learning the Bible and living out those biblical truths. That's our, that's our vision here for our church. Why does our church exist? And in that, we have a mission as a church to complete. And we want to connect people to Christ in everyday moments of life. That's why we exist as a church. That's what our mission is. And as leaders of our church and as a church body, I believe we understand that this, this next season is a monumental undertaking. But it does not come without precedence. Over the last 10 years, it was over 10 years ago, I believe, now that a small group of people gathered together around a seemingly undoable project to quote-unquote build the well in which we worship here today. And because of their sacrifice, we are able to worship today. Uh, the truth is, though, is that most of the people in this room, uh, those who worship with us today, don't remember the very early days of the well before they acquired this building uh, from the First Baptist Church. And those of us who worship here today are enjoying the benefits of sacrifice and labor and prayer and acts of God that occurred before our time. And the journey that we are on today as a church... The journey that we find ourselves on today as a church will, with God's help, provide those same benefits for the next generations to come. For the next generations. You know, my family and I began ministry here in February of 2021, 18 months ago, with a very simple understanding of ministry principles that we still hold to today. They're not going to hit the screen uh, but I want you to understand from my perspective where, where we came in. We came into the well thinking that we must expect great things from God knowing that nothing is impossible with him. Nothing at all. We also came in uh, knowing that we must attempt great things for God knowing that we as the people must do the possible while God does the impossible through us. There's another thing that we believed in and still believe about ministry. And the last is that we must ask great things of God, knowing that without him, all of this is for nothing. You know, we, we begin a venture here together. 
And I want to take us back for just a moment to a life of a great builder and a leader of Israel. One who faced a daunting task of rebuilding not only the wall around Jerusalem, but also to rebuild the people of Israel who were in bondage. And his name is Nehemiah, and this is how his story goes. Verse number one of chapter one, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel. And Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. We're going to see in just the next few moments of time that we have together that Nehemiah teaches us that building something great for God requires four things. It requires four things. The first one I want us to see, it's going to hit the screen for you, is a compelling reason. A compelling reason. If you look at the heart of Nehemiah here, it is broken. It said that he mourned and wept for days after he heard what was going on with the Israelites. Now, Nehemiah is about to set out on a quest to rebuild and repopulate Jerusalem. He's going to be leaving the place of comfortability for himself to become a leader of his people. Now, that's a pretty daunting task, don't you think? It's daunting to leave a place of comfortability and be completely flipped upside down in what you're doing in life. Now, I want to tell you something. Nehemiah did not just set out on a whim here in Scripture. He didn't just wake up one morning and think to himself, I'm going to rebuild the wall. I'm going to rebuild the people. That's not a thought that he had one morning when he woke up. No, his heart was broken for the lost and hurting people that were around him. And that broken heart came before the house of God. And he says, look, the house of God is inaccessible. The house of God is destroyed. All the people that are lost and hurting are scattered everywhere. And he sought the Lord. He went to the Lord in prayer. You know, Nehemiah needed a compelling reason to leave the comfort of his job in the king's house to set out on a treacherous journey. He needed a compelling reason. And the journey for Nehemiah was not about pride. The journey was not about wealth. It was not about fame. It was not about popularity. It was about accomplishing something for the glory of God. Church, only a compelling reason will cause us to sacrifice. Only a compelling reason will cause us to risk and venture. Only a compelling reason will cause us to see it finished. You know, church, I want you to know something that, you know, we're, we're sitting here and we're, we're explaining all of these different things to you and showing you, you know, these blueprint images. And I just need us to understand something this morning. God is not calling us to, to build a building. God is calling us to build a ministry to further his kingdom. That's what he's calling us to do, to build a ministry and to further his kingdom. And the compelling reason to restructure and to repurpose the current facility and space is not property, but it's people. It's lost and hurting people. It's ministry to seniors here in this community. It's ministry to young adults. It's ministry to large and small groups. It's ministry to families. That's what we're doing is to build a ministry that connects not just with one demographic of people, but to reach all people in our community that are lost and hurting. Church, I'm not willing as your pastor to risk what I have to risk and to give what I have to give and to do what I have to do for a building. But I'm willing to risk it, and I'm willing to give it, and I'm willing to do to see the souls of men saved and see the, the, the kingdom of God furthered here, and I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do that. 
And as a church, as Christians, we, for the last 18 months, have stripped away everything, it seems like, that, that were either problems, they were stumbling blocks for our church, and we've gone all the way back to the very basics, and we've begun to lay a biblical foundation here in our church, and we need to start building upon that. We as a church now have to do what we've been learning about in the book of James and be doers of the word and not hearers only. To be doers of the word. And so church, where we uh, need to have a willingness to risk for the souls of men and women and children and teenagers that need Christ. Nehemiah's heart was broken for the people. He wept. He mourned. So I have a question. I have a question When was the last time you walked through our community and you wept for the heart of the lost people here? Maybe maybe it's time as a church, maybe it's time as a church that that we walk the community and we, we weep and pray for it. And Kim's over here like, yeah, let's do it! Kim, I have some ideas, by the way. I think our church needs to do a prayer walk here in our community. Nehemiah's heart was was broken. Look now at verse number five. Nehemiah then says, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. Now jump with me to chapter number two. And in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence, but the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing that you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very afraid, and I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lie in ruin, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And then the king said to me, what are you requesting? And so I prayed to the God of heaven. And I want us to stop right there. Not only do we need a compelling reason, the second thing I need us to see is that we have to have complete dependency upon God. Complete dependency. What does Nehemiah do first in chapter 1? What does he do first in chapter 2? Pray. He prayed And there are two words that are crucial to us in chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's not the word prayer, it's the word kislev and the word nisan. Those are the Hebrew words for November and April. That means that Nehemiah spent five months praying and fasting and planning for this event to come to fruition. He knew that with man it would be impossible. But with God, he knew that all things were possible. Every step of the way, Nehemiah depended upon God. Five months after he began praying, God moved to change the heart of the king. You know, Nehemiah didn't even have to initiate the conversation with the king. The king just said, what do you want? What do you need, Nehemiah? Church, if we are going to move forward from today, we need to place our complete dependency on God. We need to place our complete dependency on God. We cannot do the next season of ministry on our own. We can't do it in our own strength. Nehemiah did the possible. He planned He prepared, but God did the impossible in which he provided. He provided every single step of the way for Nehemiah, and so it will be with us here at the well. We will do the possible, but then we will trust God to do the impossible for us. Now jump with me to chapter number four. 
I know I do not typically preach like this, and I don't want some of you to be like, what is going on? I want us to see something come to fruition here in the text. And now, verse number one, now when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. Jump with me to verse number 15. And he said... When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God was frustrated, their, that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that labored on the work with one hand and they held the weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side when he built. And the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread and we are separated on the wall far from one another. And the place where you hear the sound of the trumpets rally to us there and our God will fight for us. And so we labored at the work, and half of them held the spear from the break of dawn until the stars came out. And I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass, from, uh, pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, but each kept his weapon at his right hand." The third thing I want us to see here is that we must have a cooperative spirit. A cooperative spirit. Each person here in Israel had his place along the way. Every single person. You know, someone told me one time that the truism of life is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Have you ever found that to be true? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Uh, and, and it's the same way in church, unfortunately. It's the same exact way in church statistically. But the truth is, is that a great task requires an investment from every single person. Our pastor in Florida used to tell us that nothing great was ever achieved alone. Nothing great was ever achieved alone. Every person had to be counted in Nehemiah's plan. And each one had to take up his own part. Each one had to sacrifice. Each one had to labor. Each one had to hold a spear. Each one had to hold a trowel. And so it will be here with us at the well. If we are to accomplish something great for God, we are all going to have to find our place in the process. We are all going to have to sacrifice. We are all going to have to use our gifts and our talents and our treasures. All of us are going to have to work together to be more together than we can be alone. But I just want to say something to you. There is going to be trouble without. There's probably going to be irritation within. Amen? But we have to stand united in a cooperative spirit if we're going to be able to accomplish the next season of ministry here at the well. And the last thing I want us to see this morning as we close is that we must have a consecrated conclusion. A consecrated conclusion. Nehemiah rebuilt the wall by the end of chapter 13. He restored the people he rebuilt the entire city of Jerusalem, but none of that was the most important accomplishment. You may be thinking like, Pastor, then why did you take us on this journey through the book of Nehemiah in 10 minutes? I want you to, to just hear something from chapter 1. Nehemiah says, We have acted very corruptly against you, and we have not kept your commandments the statutes, and the rules that you have commanded your servant Moses. And so remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the, the people. But if you return to me, and you keep my commandments, and you do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them, and I will bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. That's what was going on. 
you get to the very end of Nehemiah chapter 13. And it says this in verse number 30. I have cleansed them from everything foreign, and I have established the duties of the priests and the Levites, each in his work. And I provided for the wood offering at the appointed time and for the first fruits. Remember me, O God, for good reason. The most important thing in the book of Nehemiah was not the wall being built. It was not the city being restored. It was the the physical journey that they were on that led to a spiritual journey. They were on a physical journey and it led to a spiritual one. And that must be true for us. To restructure and repurpose our space would be a great accomplishment for us as a church. But to build our faith, but to build our love, but to build our commitment to God has eternal accomplishments waiting for us. And as a church, the journey that we are beginning is far more than plaster and nails. It is a spiritual journey that we've been on, not just starting today, but we've been there for the last 18 months. And it's going to help us accomplish the vision and the mission of connecting people to Christ and becoming a disciple-making church, one who reaches back for the other lost and hurting people. So if we reach the end of all of this church... If we reach the end of all of it and we have this awesome handicap ramp with accessibility all the time to our building and we, we have this new grand entrance here on the side and we reach the end and we have these two bathrooms up here so you don't have to walk all the way downstairs into the other side of the building to get to, we have all of that. If we have better sound quality for in person, better sound quality online, if we have all of those things and we have not grown deeper spiritually and we've not grown closer together as a church, then we have nothing. Then we have nothing at all. Plaster and nails, church, are going to rot and ruin. But the souls of men are eternal. The souls of men are eternal. And so today, we're asking you to come on a journey with us, to continue, really, on a journey. There are going to be many decisions yet that we will have to make. There are going to be many hills yet that we're going to have to climb. There are going to be many problems yet that we have to solve. But I believe that we should start off our journey on the right foot. We have a compelling reason. There are lost and hurting people that are unreached here in our community. I believe we begin to display a dependence upon God that needs to be deepened and furthered. I believe we begin to see a cooperative spirit here in our church that needs to be deepened and furthered. And now we have to come to a consecrated conclusion together. Are we going to go? I believe wholeheartedly that we will. But I think we need to start today in prayer. And so I'm going to ask Ken to come. I've asked Ken to come and and to lead us um, in prayer over not just what I've talked about in the last 20 minutes, what Rick talked about, uh, but a prayer also of thanksgiving first and foremost because of what God has done and is continuing to do here in our church. And I don't want to, to break kind of where I've been going, but now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk directly to you in front of everybody too. Can I... Um, want you to know how much I appreciate you. Um, I'll do my best not to make you cry or to make me cry. Um, in the midst of last year, when things for our family seemed the most difficult, um, when we didn't know what God was going to do, um, there was this individual who showed up <laughs> at my office Uh, when I was distraught, when I didn't know who to turn to. And he said, God told me to come and talk to you 
and make sure that you were okay. And it was this guy right here. And I sat in my office that day and I remember telling him I felt like I was on an island by myself. And he said, that's a really dangerous place to be. And I remember he got up from the desk and he came around and he hold me, like held me tight. He squeezed me really tight. And he said, we're here for you. And we love you, Pastor. And we know that God brought you here. And we're going to continue going here because you preach the truth. And that, from that day forward, <laughs> this man has been a part of our board. He's prayed with me. He's prayed for me. He's prayed for this church. He's given godly advice and wisdom. And I'm forever grateful, not just, not just for you, <laughs> but also for your family as well. Uh, for your wife and the, the encouragement that she sent to me at various times, Emily, for not only stepping up and, and using your gifting of singing here on the stage, but um, helping us with our finances. And so, I love you, Ken. others, he was going to do the same to me, and that just, um, I'm a real emotional person, especially when it has to do with God. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know my heart, and I pray, Lord, that what we're about to venture into, Lord, that um, it's for the furtherance of your kingdom, Lord. There's many people out there in this community that don't know you. And Lord, um, the word is being preached here, and uh, we're all learning a lot about you and about what you want us to do, Lord. It's not about the building. It's not about any of the uh, uh, construction or any of that stuff, but it's about the individuals that need to hear the word. And I just pray, Lord, that each one of us in this building will, will seek you and we'll um, ask you what we need to do and search our heart, Lord, to see where we stand, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, for what you have done in this, uh, in this place, Lord. Thank you for the pastor. Thank you for all the people that come. Thank you for the word. Father, I just thank you for who you are and what you can do in this community, and we need to be a part of that. Father, I just thank you for everything, for it's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ken. So I know Mike isn't here, um, but I want you guys to know um, Mike is the fourth member of our board, and I, I mentioned that a couple of times, and um, he thinks that he got out of me saying something to him, but that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and so I want you guys to know uh, Mike is um, uh, probably the more quiet uh, individual on the board in this church type setting. He's the one um, that is usually up in the sound booth making sure that our sound is working and that the online is, is working and that people are able to hear. Uh, but Mike comes with a very unique set of skills and gifts. And he has a perspective that is oftentimes outside of the box and uh, one that is often thankless. Um, but Mike is, is an individual that I don't know that I, I would be where I am without him. 
Um, Mike is a guy who I've been able to bounce ideas off, and though I said Rick kept us in line, uh, typically what happens is I bounce the idea off Mike, and then we run with it really quickly. (laughs) And Rick's like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) And so Mike is an individual that I know he's not here. We've been praying for his family. They're currently in Indiana right now at a celebration of life for one of his wife's relatives. And they'll be back, coming back. So if you would be praying for their family, praying for their travels back here. Uh, But next time you see him, there are a lot of things that happen behind the scenes uh, because of Mike. A lot of things that happen behind the scenes. Um, He's the one that I call when the lights go all sorts of crazy and the sound won't work and the recordings aren't working and the online isn't working and the computer's broken and the printer's not working. Mike is the guy. And so Mike does a lot of things behind the scenes that people don't, don't see, uh, but I would, not, I would not be able to make it without Mike, uh, without Mike, and without Rick, and without Amy, and without Ken. And so church, I just want you to know, um, you guys as a church um, have a great blessing in this, this team of people here. You have a great blessing in, in the others that serve and, and as a church, but these, these four individuals, uh, they help keep things uh, moving because I can't do it on my own. Um, they have been a huge stability for our family, especially in the last six months since my treatment has started on days where I felt like I couldn't do anything. They have stepped up and have continued to be there. And so we thank you from the bottom of our heart and we love you. Uh, church, we thank you for joining us. We're sorry that the service was, no, I'm not sorry. The service was different and we're here to glorify God through that. We hope to see you guys back next week uh, as we continue on in our series in the book of James.